This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Shouldn't you be at work? Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin. Unknown goal from Ruddock. Four by break here for Kiwabia. Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores. Goal leg. Hit leg. Hit leg over the top. It's now. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh and he has to. No. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? It's Series 7. This is Episode 3. I'm Chris Skoll and joining me, it's Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And please don't tweet him at underscore Michael underscore Marden with your clips of Peter Schmeichel getting lobbed because he's absolutely not interested, especially if Sky show the best goals from 96-97 and open that package with two chips over Peter Schmeichel this week. It's Michael Marden. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I want a word with whoever put that package together. That definitely felt deliberate. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Someone at Sky must know. That's not an accident. You start with you start with what takes you back to a time, don't you? You start with what makes you feel familiar. <laughs> One of two things are true. Either it just the two best goals from the 96-97 season just happen to be lobs over Peter Schmuggle because there's so many of them. Or they know and we're doing a little nod and a wink towards this podcast but by picking two lobs over Peter Schmeichel. I'm happy in both scenarios. If you were the person that put that package together, please do get in touch. I'd like to send you something in the post. <laughs> yes, because we have an, a, a free <laughs> Patreon membership for you. Um, so, so we should start with uh, announcements. So, we are doing a live show. Don't worry, not outside somewhere where you can't legally go. We're doing it on Zoom on Sunday night, October the 25th. We're very excited about this. Uh, because uh, we did one during the first lockdown at the time of recording. This isn't referred to as the second lockdown, but it may be at the time of broadcast. And it was brilliant. It was uh, genuinely one of the best things we've ever done. We uh, had such a good time. So finally, we've got around to doing a second one. We've got uh, two Quickly Kevin legends, Tom Crane and Matt Ford. They're both going to come on. 
I'm going to interview them separately. I'm going to do a Q&A with you guys, whatever questions you want. And then we end with the ultimate. Michael has simulated a game of Championship Manager 97-98 between Crane and Ford's teams that they've picked. And we get to watch the match, and it is a spectacle you would never believe is fun to watch, but it really is, isn't it? It really is just fun to watch Championship Manager without the pressure of having to, to make decisions on the pitch. It's like going to a, a game, but it's a Championship Manager game. It's really exciting. It blows my mind that 23 years after it came out, a text-based football management game is such a compelling watch. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an unbelievable watch. It's a great... Uh, we had such a good time doing it last time. And uh, what we, we've decided to do is turn it into a tournament. So this is a this is one of the quarterfinals. We're going to have uh, all of our live Zoom shows as they come. Going to be quarterfinals, then semifinals, and then the big final. And um, it's it's five quid. That's all it is. The link we have tweeted it out. It's on all our social media. Last time we it was about three thousand people watched it last time. Yeah, didn't yeah, it? that's right. Yeah. yeah, I'll be honest with you. There isn't a capacity, so I can't really go. So get in quickly because there isn't a capacity. But <laughs> <laughs> genuinely. Uh, we had 3,000 people watch it last time. So go on. It's um, £5 uh, for your ticket, plus uh, a small booking fee, which we don't see. Don't worry about that. If you want your ticket free, it's free to Patreon XJ8 members. Uh, so go on to the Patreon, sign up, and you will all get a link to the Zoom Live show on Sunday night and all the Zoom Live shows, which you will get for free forever if you're a Patreon member. And to sign up, just get yourself over to patreon.com forward slash quickly Kevin. Uh, thank you to everyone who has joined the Patreon. We should say, uh, or as we actually call it, the Quickly Kevin Fan Club. Yeah, it's official um, name. It's an official name, the Quickly Kevin Fan Club. Uh, the Shot of Glory episode has gone down very well, and the Steve Bruce ones have begun. Steve Bruce, word for word, as we said. We are currently uh, just readying the two bonus episodes for next month. Also readying um, for New Year, the first piece of merchandise. Uh, the extra long Jamie Redknapp episode was out on Saturday morning. You'll get all your episodes Saturday morning. There's lots more perks. Lots more perks. Go over to patreon.com slash quickly Kevin to sign up. Okay, we've had so much good correspondence that um, I just want to get on with it because there's like loads to get through. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Postbag. You've got mail. Now, we discussed Lucasade uh, last week. This is from John Simmons. Uh, we discussed whether in the 90s it was used for medicinal purposes. Yeah. Hello, chaps. Love the podcast. And the mention of Lucasade prompted me to email. Lucasade was, in fact, created by the pharmacist William Walker Hunter in 1927 called Glucosade and was originally designed to be medicinal. Ooh. It was then bought by Beecham's in 1938, and the name was changed to Lucozade. To add more fuel to the medicinal fire, my dad, a retired GP, still drinks Lucozade when he's unwell and absolutely swears by it. Well, <laughs> wow. there, you, there go. you go. That's a bit of 90s medical advice for you. That is amazing, isn't it? I always thought it was bullshit, but actually, yeah. the John Barnes change was obviously it wasn't selling enough medicinally, so they got John Barnes involved and added the word sport. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's it's set the world on fire, Jamie Mourinho's uh, Man of the Match jacket, hasn't it? We should point out, we've had a lot of people on social media messaging saying it's, it's, it's Hamey, not Jamie. Oh, Hamey. 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 I always Hi-me, presumed Hi-me. it was Jame. Um, Jaime <laughs> Mourinho. Mourinho. Yeah, we've had emails about pronouncing Moreno as well. I think it's oh Moreno. Jaime Moreno. How did they know who we were talking about? 
So, would you like to see Janino receiving what he won when he was man of the match in the Coca-Cola Cup? Yes, please. Oh, Here what? it comes. So, this is Janino at his post-match press conference on Sky Sports 3 uh, live. This is a photo of him receiving his gift for being man of the match. <laughs> <laughs> Captain, there is that. That's not uh, I don't Robson, know. is it? No, I don't. Is. Look at his face. So, Mike, <laughs> can you describe <laughs> what you're looking at? So, we're in the uh, we're in. Well, I pres- it's the boot room, basically, behind the scenes at whatever stadium they're playing at. Giannino is there with uh, some kind of commentator slash presenter and the captain of Middlesbrough at the time, and he has been handed a uh, Coca Cola branded mountain bike. <laughs> And I would say Janino is looking down. Basically, he's saying, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) What am I going to do with that? (laughs) So we had another email, sorry not to credit you on this, by someone who said that when Ravenelli joined Middlesbrough, they put him up in a house fully furnished, right? And when he left, the story goes that he took all of the free furniture and all of the fittings. (laughs) But left, propped up against the house, were his two Coca-Cola mountain bikes. <laughs> what I don't understand is why these stories only ever seem to happen to Middlesbrough players. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a wild west up there, isn't it? <laughs> so dominating the Coca-Cola man of the match world. Why have Coca-Cola gone, we'll give them a bike if they win man of the match? How? Who had that idea? It makes no sense. It's, it's so strange. But maybe the jackets won't go. They didn't realise they were being worn around the bowling alleys of the northeast. Do you want a little update on the uh, the jacket that was on eBay? Oh, oh yeah, yes. of course. I am. Uh, I'm currently the highest bidder. <laughs> How long left? Eight hours, forty eight minutes left. Oh. So by the time this goes out, we'll see. I hopefully have one. Does it end at five a.m.? Uh, yeah, it must be. It ends at five fifty two tomorrow. Oh, so it's being sold from abroad. What time zone's Jaime Moreno in? <laughs> Could be him. <laughs> Oh, is that, Michael, has there been much competition from listeners, you think? Well, it's on, there's been six different bids, but the frustrating thing is you can sort of make an offer before someone's put in an, yeah, an yeah. official bid. And I, I tried to lowball the guy. So he had it on for 50 quid, and I said 30 quid, and he said 50, and I said 35, and he said 50. And, then, and eventually I was like, well, I'm just going to pay 50 quid for it. But I didn't press make an offer. I pressed bid. Oh, and the moment the moment you put a bid in, it activates the bid process. Oh, so you can't God, then make an offer. Yeah, so I could have got it for £50. It's now currently going for £94. Oh, so oh you've cost you, you could get nine messages from Marcus Bent and still have four quid for a pint. <laughs> um, this is from Joe Henderson. Hi, guys. Delighted to say that I'm a member of the Quickly Kevin fan club. I wondered if perhaps Quickly Kevin could also be used as a public apology forum for those who've wronged 90s footballers in the past. Is that our kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. Well, a sort of, of confessions yeah. style. Yeah. yeah. Have we got any confession style music? We have now. Yes. <laughs> when I was 13, I took over my elder sister's paper round, delivering the local Bristol-based daily, The Evening Post. She showed me the route as part of the handover. And as we set our bikes down around a more affluent house in our local town of Nailsea, she informed me the house belonged to the one and only Sean Gota, at this time absolutely ruling the roost at Bristol City. A few months later, and Sean, who I only ever actually met once to give me a £10 Christmas tip by Stillfield Warrant's first name terms, had played a particularly poor game. 
And I remember the back page headline of the Evening Post being very disparaging. I didn't want Sean's form to suffer on reading this, so I removed the front and back page spread and delivered a condensed version of him that started on page three. I'm not saying it worked, but he did hit form of his life and got the move to Man City, so that's for other people to decide. (laughs) (laughs) However, I wonder if he knew the tactics behind the edited newspaper. If not, I'd like to apologise for taking matters into my own hands and delivering an incomplete evening post. Do you think Joe Henderson did the right thing there? Sean Goat would surely remember that. That is notable, isn't it? To have a nightmare and then have a paper turn up with all your bits missing. <laughs> but if I was Sean Gota, if I knew I'd had a bad one, I'd, I'd, I'd be avoiding that anyway. I mean, yeah, do you think he didn't even look at the paper? What strikes me is the Evening Post is the Bristol local paper, right? Now, Sean Gota's not local to Bristol, is he? He started out at Manchester United. He's from Bermuda, in fact, isn't he, Sean Gota? Um, so, he's, so he couldn't be less... Local to Bristol geographically, I suppose. But if I move to an area, I don't subscribe to the local paper unless I'm purely doing it to read up about myself because I'm playing for the local football team. Do you know what I mean? That's an interesting theory. I think it's the only theory, unless he just thought I could get to know the area better if I subscribed to the local newspaper. I can't imagine Sean Gota every evening is reading up about the local news in Bristol, is he? I really like the idea that, coincidentally, throughout his career, local paper boys have been doing this to Sean Gota from Bermuda to Manchester to Bristol. So every time he checks a paper to see if anyone's covered his performances, there's nothing there. He's like, oh, for God's sake, I'm not in the paper again. <laughs> Looking at um, Sean Gota's uh, Wikipedia, so he played 36 games for Bermuda and scored 32 goals. Too right. He's an absolute goal machine. Surely Bermuda are rubbish. (laughs) How is he scoring 32 goals for Bermuda? Yeah, they must be playing some dreadful teams. (laughs) That's amazing. What an insane goals to games ratio at international level. (laughs) This is the only podcast with that phrase said (laughs) with such passion. (laughs) Um, So... You know, when we go off the record, I think we should say, can we go Patreon only for this next email? All right, look, correspondence over with. It's been another huge week for 90s news. It's time for the 90s o'clock news. Paul Bracewell spotted in local newspaper battling town planners. Cadbury's Boost eyeing up David Boost inspired Boost for Cadbury's Boost sales and Ricky Otto on Songs of Praise (laughs) (laughs) another bumper week of 90s football news let's go with our top story this week Paul Bracewell spotted in the local newspapers he's fuming with town planners Paul Bracewell bought his home uh, like 20 years ago he's got a big bit of land he wanted to build some houses on it and then out of nowhere, Durham Council have said, Paul, your back garden's green belt. Out of nowhere, <gasps> unilaterally. Paul's <laughs> oh, no. been battling Durham Council for 16 years. He says the whole saga has been very frustrating, to say the least. Uh, 16 years. 16 years. And Andrew Cox sent in the story. There's, there's some pictures there. If you Google Paul Bracewell, uh, Durham Town Planners. Some no, pictures no thanks. Don't need it. <laughs> Paul Bracewell, like, it's one of those great, they've sent a local news photographer out there. And so it's Paul Bracewell just walking around his garden looking sad. <laughs> like leaning on the trees that he wants to knock down and just 
<laughs> Adding some colour to a wonderful draw attention story. to the trees, Paul. That's one of the problems. <laughs> um, right. There's more. Okay. Uh, so Cadbury's. I have been in touch with a representative of Cadbury's. Okay. Whoa. Yes. They have reached out and they've made it very clear to me that they are very much happy to send us some Cadbury's Boost bars. However, it's also been hinted to me that if we can get David Boost involved with some Cadbury's Boost activity that might boost sales, they will send us more Cadbury's Boost. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I know David Boost is on Twitter. I know. Quickly, Kevin Hivemind, if we could have David Boost eating a Boost, maybe David Boost singing the David Boost uh, advert from last week, the options are limitless, but what isn't limitless is the supply of Cadbury's Boost we may be given. Okay, it sounds like we're going to get a few that. boxes. We'd love that. We'd absolutely love that. <laughs> Christmas is round the corner. Picture us turning up to all our families with massive uh, boxes of Cadbury's Boost. Also, if you can think of a footballer with a surname Crunchy, I'm absolutely all <laughs> over it. <laughs> I'm just trying to think if there's anyone in the 90s called Advent Calendar. <laughs> I need to hear about Ricky Otto being on Trains of Trace. Thank you to Robert Wally, who sent in the following news story. I'm not sure when this happened, but it sounds like it may have been around Easter, because I'm just going to read to you the Sky description of this programme. Title, Songs of Praise. Catherine Jenkins celebrates Easter at a young church, St Luke's Gas Street in Birmingham, and Sean Fletcher meets former Birmingham City footballer Ricky Otto, now a preacher, also in HD. So I'd look at his career, I would like, it's legit, it checks out. So he, he trained, he, after he finished football, he was a probation officer for a while. Um, then he founded a consultancy working with offenders. Then he became a Christian, did a degree in theology. Now he's a preacher, he's on Songs of Praise. He's Brilliant. made it, Ricky Otto. Um, I'm going to say it, we want your teams of, now not just religious footballers, that's not interesting because there's lots of religious footballers, but religious footballers who are ministers or preachers or whatever the term would be depending on the denomination. The midfield has already got uh, Ricky Otto on the wing and Gavin Peacock uh, in attacking midfield. I think Taribo West was a preacher as well. I seem to remember that. So uh, if you've got any more to add to that, I'd love to hear them. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Okay, um, as we've said before, our Zoom live show is on Sunday night. Matt Ford and Tom Crane. Uh, You can get your tickets on social media, but now... We've always wanted to talk about it. Let's do it. It's Man City in the 90s with Jason Manford. Our guest this week rode the roller coaster of Manchester City's most tumultuous period from the terraces. Now he's one of the Northwest's most recognisable comedians and pre-pandemic could be found starring in a production of Curtains in London's West End. But perhaps the greatest achievement on his CV is being able to say that the first autograph he ever got was from Paul Lake. Please welcome to Quickly Kevin, Jason Manford. Hello, how are you? Uh, yes, good. Is that right? Your first ever autograph was It from was Paul actually, Lake. yeah, from... Uh... Future England captain, as we often uh, dubbed him. Uh, that never happened because of his injury. He actually lives on my road now. Does he? Does he? Yeah, that's funny old uh, turn of uh, events. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so we're uh, we're sort of like pals in a weird way. Weirdly, right. does he remember yeah. you asking for that autograph? Um, 
Don't think so, no. <laughs> Weirdly, people who get asked for autographs don't often remember the story as much as people who ask. <laughs> 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 that seems to be the rule. Um, yeah, I remember I was working at the uh, the Buzz Club in uh, Chawton in South Manchester. It was a comedy club probably before your time, Josh, to be honest. Um, oh, yeah, no, I know. I'm aware of Chawton more than the yeah, Buzz Club. Yeah, so it was like the big – that was like the club and you saw Peter Kay there and, you know uh, – just Steve Coogan and Carolina Hearn and everybody. And I used to work there collecting glasses. And then one week, there's, there he sat, as if he's not a legend, just sat there like a normal person. <laughs> what? <laughs> and we could go near him? What? <laughs> so, yeah, and he was just, like, one of my favourite players and asked him for an autograph and he signed a... I think he just signed it on, like, a... I don't know if it was, like, on a receipt or something. You know, like, something crap yeah. as well, something <laughs> that you're not going to keep forever. Yeah, like you, didn't have your, you didn't have your Paul Lake Pro Set card with you, <laughs> no, ready to be gutted. signed. <laughs> gutted. Well, we, we're not, we were saying, we're not sure we've ever had a guest before who's been so public with their love for Championship Manager and Football Manager. <laughs> we've been, like, just in the warm-up a second ago, we've already started talking yeah. about it. So how addicted are you? Or were I you? mean, less, less so now, obviously. Now I've got uh, children and bills and, you know, a life and stuff. But, um, I mean, to a point where they... Uh, I mentioned it. I think I was like the first comic. They and I spoke to um, some of the guys, uh, Miles, who makes the game, uh, mm. Jacobson, uh, once who actually put me in the game. They put me in the game. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and uh, I'm like, done, I'm listed in like the thanks to in I can't remember what year it was. It might be 2006, seven or something like that. And they put me in the game because I sort of did a routine about it on live at the Apollo. And so mm. to talk about what was essentially a, a, a little game on such a huge show. This is when Live at the Apollo was, you know, getting six, yeah. seven million viewers. Um, they had a, they had a meeting about it, I found out later. <laughs> in, in the football manager towers. Uh, to say, we've just been mentioned on like a mainstream TV show. That means we're, you know, if, if people are using us as a reference, as you know, Josh, in, in comedy, like yeah. if you're using people as a reference or, or a company as a reference, that is the reference, you know, so. But did you find with Championship Manager... How much explaining are you having to do when you're writing about championship manager or football manager? Like, uh, I mean, it was again weirdly when you just as a stand up early on, you write about what you know, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was, write about what you know. Well, I, I know about this. So, um, and I remember having a, a couple of sort of asides about it, just sort of saying, I used to play it at night when my, and my girlfriend at the time would go to bed and I'd just be in the corner <laughs> on this. You know, and this again before little like laptop. Like the, I looked like I was in uh, some sort of uh, spy film. I'd like a big screen here, you know, and my tactics up here on the wall. You know, I genuinely put a shirt and tie on for the cup final. Like I really went for it, and um, and so the story I talk about on the uh, on live at the Apollo weirdly actually came about full circle in the last couple of weeks. Um, where uh, I am, um, so the story I talk about is about me sort of playing it in the corner, and it's sort of my my girlfriend at the time complaining about the clicking. It's just clicking. It's not even a real game. It's just <laughs> clicking. It's like spreadsheets. You're just playing spreadsheets. <laughs> and, uh, and the story I tell is, I go and do a charity gig, which genuinely happened. I went to do this charity gig at Man City, and I went with my dad. I did the gig, and it was all fine. And Micah Richards was there, and uh, and afterwards, I sort of met a few of the players. My dad said in the car back, he went, you're a bit aloof with Micah Richards there, I thought. Like, you weren't, you know, everyone else you were sort of really keen on. And then Micah Richards, you were a bit not not bothered. 
And I thought, oh, that's weird for me because I'm usually nice to everybody. And it's only when I got home I realised that Micah Richards had turned up late for training three times <laughs> on, on Football Manager. And, I, and, I, and I'd had to find him. And now his description was, Micah Richards hates Jason Manford. Like, that was the, <laughs> that's what he said on his little description. And so obviously it must have been in my head that this, this guy does not like me at all. <laughs> Has he, um, have you like crossed paths with him since? Well, yeah, weirdly, um, only a couple of weeks ago, he's he's so brilliant on Sky Sports. Mm, I, uh, I I mentioned it online and said, um, uh, and said, oh, Micah Richards, what a breath of fresh air he is on Sky Sports. He's absolutely fantastic. And then in brackets, I just put, all is forgiven. Uh, hashtag football manager or whatever, you know. And uh, And he reposted it and put, about time gaffer. <laughs> what a wonderful conclusion! Yeah, twenty-year gag, twenty-year callback. <laughs> um, let's talk a bit about your kind of experience of football manager. Who is who's on your Mount Rushmore of favourite football manager players? Oh, Are there names that stick goodness. in your head? Yes. The, what was the player called? That was uh, it was an American lad, and he was like fourteen. Freddie Adu. Was it Freddie Adu? It was Freddie yeah. Adu. Yeah. Freddie Adu, what a player. And then where did he where did he go? In real life, nowhere. That was oh, an right. absolute killer. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we used to play it. There was a point where I was 16. I'm, I remember my friend Simon and Paul. We used to play it together, like in, in the, like I huddled over my friend Paul's uh, computer. And we'd play it nonstop. And, we'd, you know, we'd do, like, the transfers, like the other two had to turn away while you put your bids in. And uh, <laughs> it was all, you know, real. You know, it was real. And, uh, that's how it works in the Premier League. I think that's how it took back. Turn, turn away, Pep. While Klopp does his uh, transfers. That's so, why Pep pays so much money for defenders, because he's turned away <laughs> when other people are bidding for <laughs> Kyle Walker. Going on. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we played... I remember we finished school in that, you know, when you're 16, and we've got college starting in September. And I remember that summer, we lit, was just a championship manager summer. We just yeah. played it, and we went to Paul's every day, and we... Et- pizza and and you know and and drank pop and and we and we played football manager all summer and there was definitely a point where at least at some point the three of us came together to go i wonder if like together if we live together like <laughs> like and we've already worked out what what dull money is right maybe we don't even need college and <laughs> Like genuinely thinking, how can we make this into a, a, a real a real thing? And I remember I actually spoilt it. And it even comes up now, like every so often if Paul's had a drink, uh, it comes up now where me and him were after the same striker. <laughs> and uh, like he was Bolton, I was Grimsby. We had the shirts. Like it was, you know, we really went for it. And, uh, and I remember we were going for the same striker and it came back. He's accepted the position at Bolton. Uh, for, for up front, and but I had the mouse at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going, and I remember clicking no, like, oh, and, then he, and, then he, and then he came to uh, Grimsby instead, oh, and that was word. the moment. I, I can actually, I almost hear Paul's heart break, but it was the, <laughs> the, the sort of not the realism. Obviously, there's no realism at all, but the, the, the fact that we were so ingrained in this game, mm. I remember that being the exact moment that we all just went, this is not. This is not. Uh, That's the moment when paradise suddenly goes wrong, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It was just not real anymore. That's and even 
And and every so often, like we'll be out having a drink, and Paul will have a couple too many. He'll go, "You remember that time where you signed my play for Grimsby?" I'm like, "It's been, it's been 35 years, like yeah, 25 years. You got to let it go, Paul." And you, you mentioned Grimsby there, but mm. I read as well that you you play a lot. You used to play a lot with City, your own team. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I always play the first season with City because just to get used to the game and the layout and the you know and all that when you first get it but um and certainly early on when you were city it was it was a real challenge uh now it's sort of it's just stupid you know what i mean it's not even <laughs> you, you genuinely i'm watching pep every week thinking i mean i'd probably win 80 percent of these games in real life <laughs> like yeah. it's easy so obviously city now um i mean we're aware of the you know they're the richest club in the world, et cetera, et cetera. How mm. did you initially start supporting the underdogs of the, yeah. of the 80s, I suppose, Well, it's Manchester odd City. as well because I was born in Salford, which is a real mm. Manchester United area as well. Yeah. Um, but my, I guess I was just lucky, I suppose. Um, my, um, my, dad, <laughs> my dad was a big City fan. My granddad was a big City fan. In fact, my great-granddad was the very first person in the UK to be arrested for football hooliganism. <laughs> like, wow. that what was a his, great episode of yeah. Who Do You Think You Are that would be. <laughs> yeah, he's actually it's on his it's on his uh, criminal record as uh, football vandalism, I think it was called at the time or whatever. Yeah, um, he, he punched a copper. <laughs> so <laughs> class route one, um, yeah, route yeah. one, punched a copper, and from that an empire was born. <laughs> yeah. Um, Look how far we've come since. <laughs> I know something's so never proud. changed. But it wasn't a police horse. He, he had a bit of class. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, which was funny because I think the I think the granddad on the other side as well was a copper. I think they were both either side of the sort of footballing oh, wow. divide horse. But um, <laughs> like yeah, Romeo so, and Juliet. It's a weird thing that my my dad is sort of proud about it. Uh, in a weird way, he's like, "Yeah, hey, you're great, granddad." First person the rest. I'm gonna say it does sound like you're sort of proud about it as well. Well, well you know, <laughs> violence in the past is all right, isn't it? Yeah, um, <laughs> we glorify it a little bit, don't we? So, um, um, and he, you know, he wasn't a great granddad at the time. You know, he was, he was a young man, and that would have been a better story. Um, <laughs> he was 90 years old. But uh, so my yeah so my dad so it was just you know a long line of city fans really and and then my mum uh, my mum was a city fan as well and my mum's one of eleven uh, on their side they were Irish Catholics came over in the fifties and and they were all city fans apart from one uncle my uncle Brendan who's a, a United fan uh, sort of the black sheep of the family and uh, so yeah it was just all it was just always city really it was always and, and what kind of period did you start supporting them in then when would you so well from you know from the first baby grow essentially but the first sort of years I remember um, I guess about sort of yeah probably late you know late 80s I remember there being a moment where because obviously we used to get battered every week yeah and like properly battered and uh, I remember there being a time where I came home and like it was just Going into school on that Monday after, you know, United had won. It was, the, you know, just the start of their sort of dynasty and empire and and City were just on the slide. It wasn't going well at all. And I remember being about seven coming home and I said to my dad, so this what this is like 88, 89, something like 87, that sort of time. And I um, I come home and I said, Dad, I've, I've cracked it. I've cracked it. I've worked it out. And he said, what are you talking about? He said, you know, like um, City get beat every week and I've got to go into school and get picked on by all the other like boys and that. 
He's like, yeah. I went, why don't we just put United instead? <laughs> huh? 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 I like, genuinely like, I've cracked it. And my, <laughs> my dad was like, that's not going to happen. Like, you know, it'd be like coming home and changing religion. Like it'd be that, that big, you know. And, um, and even now, I'm nearly 40. Even now, I, sometimes when my dad is resting, you know, just in the corner, he'll look at me. And I can still see it in his eye that he's not really forgiving me for that that moment when I was seven and suggested we might support United instead. Like I still think he might bring it up on his deathbed. It might be one of them, you know. <laughs> um, so we're about to fire up the DeLorean. Go back. Oh yeah, in time. go on then. But I wondered, like, where's your head at with this? Do you look back on that and go and think it was better than now, or are you so much happier now you're competing in the top flight every season? Um. Better? I don't know if it's better because now I'm busy with stuff, with life and kids and jobs and all that sort of stuff. Whereas when I was a City fan, as a that was all I thought about. And you know, there was posters on my wall, and you know, my favourite players, and there was uh, you know, and you went. We used to go at the so we rarely could afford tickets to go to the game, so it was it was rare that we went. And um, and but, but what City would do when we were at the old ground at, uh, at Main Road, you could we'd walk there. It was about a sort of I don't know, half an hour walk from where we lived in Wally Range. And we walked to Moss Side. And if you got there for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes and you found the right gate with the right old guy on it, he would let you in for the last 15 minutes. Oh, wow. And just watch. So we'd end up watching the last 15 minutes of, of, of City. Like, just, and you always have to find the right guy. Like, and if he wasn't on, you were like, I can't believe I've walked half an hour and he's not even on this week. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'd get there and and uh, oh, it was it was great. But we, I mean, we were obsessed. Like, I mean, my, we had two blue budgies called Manchester and City. Like, we <laughs> it, genuinely the best. You know, these two little sky blue uh, budgies in our. Uh, I mean, City died. Um, well, they both died, obviously, twenty years ago. <laughs> Did you try and replace <laughs> you try and replace City with a red one called United? So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember actually one of them. One of them flew out of the out of its cage, and uh, so after Manchester had died, City was quite. It, it was quite. I think City had died, and Manchester was quite depressed about it, and um, sort of looking in his little mirror, sort of because he just thinks it's his mate, doesn't he? And uh, I remember one time we came back from the match, and um, and what had happened was while we were out was that Manchester had um, flown down and, and sort of got his, his clothes stuck in the carpet. And my, our dog at the time had tried to, I think, help it. I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm a kid <laughs> thinking that animals can help each other, like a Disney film. <laughs> he was helping him. and um, But anyway, has essentially broken his leg. Oh. And uh, vets and all that. I put a little splint on it and everything, like this tiny budgie. Imagine a budgie with a little tiny splint <laughs> on its leg. And while we were out at the, um, at the football one time, my mum had... Um, had sort of put it on the bottom of the case so, so it could drink some of its water, uh, left the room. But when she came back in, it had fallen in the water and, drown- and drowned. Oh, my God. Oh, my word. So, we, uh, I didn't I know. think the story could get more horrific. And when we came back, even though it gets even worse. <laughs> no, not worse, <laughs> just more heartbreaking. When she came back, we could hear my mum crying in the kitchen. Oh, my God. And she was huddled over the... A budgie, sort of trying to like give it like a tiny CPR, like <laughs> just with her little fingers on its little budgie chest. <laughs> My dad's like, "It's gone, love. He's gone." What like, a metaphor for the club. Yeah, yeah it really was. <laughs> 
Um, all right, let's let's start in the 89-90 season. You kind of touched on it there, but yourself and United, are, you're on par at the start, right at the start of the 90s. I think that 89-90 season, you finished 14th, same points as United, but in that season, you beat them 5-1 in the league. Oh, well, and I remember that, that one game. Head. Yeah, I mean, I must remember that one game was, I we absolutely dined on out on that for <laughs> 20 years. Like, <laughs> you know, it was... It was unbelievable. I'd never seen my dad cry like it, it, in, in in absolute sheer happiness. Like it was one of the most unbelievable things. That, imagine going in on that Monday morning after oh. after years of being picked on, and and suddenly your team has just absolutely thrashed United five one. I know, like it's kind of a historic game. But yeah. Like, were you worse than them generally? Like, what were the standards of the teams? Was this out of nowhere, or was it? I feel like at that time, I presume Fergie was in charge at that time. He must, yeah. have, he must have been yeah, by then. Was. Yeah, yeah. So, and they had a good, you know, they had a solid team. I remember Mark Hughes scored. He probably scored the best goal of the the game. The, it was like a volley, I think. He scored the best one for them. But there was just something, and our like, I think our manager was like Mel Machin. Like some some mental name from the sixties. Yeah, yeah. Like if you Mel Nation, is that even a real person? Um, and uh, yeah, it just it sort, but it absolutely came out of nowhere. Like it wasn't. Um, you know, now you have you know you got Ronaldo's and uh, you know Aguero's and, and De Bruyne's and all these beautiful sort of foreign names and the the influence. And, and I'm, I'm looking at them now. Oldfield, Morley, Bishop, Inchcliffe. <laughs> I mean, it's like some out of Roy the Rovers. Like, <laughs> well, in those days when Man U weren't good before they won the, they, so they hadn't won the league in twenty five years or whatever, yeah, maybe yeah. a bit less by that. How are your feelings towards them? Like, did you still hate them? Do, do you hate Man U? I mean, I don't really hate them even now, to be honest. I've never been, mm. I've never been one of those fans who hates. You don't seem like, like a man full of hate. Yeah, and like every so often someone like, I'll get a text off a United fan mate or something that's full of like bile and banter. And I'm like, oh, this is for the wrong guy. <laughs> like, I'm, not, <laughs> like, I'm not that guy. I'm not bothered. I'm actually not bothered, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I've never really been uh, like that, really. And, you know, and, and obviously over the years, you know, certainly in this job, you know, you end up meeting people. You know, Sir Alex Ferguson lives around the corner and uh, in Wimslow there and I sort of see him every so often, done a few charity gigs for him. Um, what was he, what's he like to bump into? I mean, he's absolutely ter- Even when he's walking, his dog is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we played, I actually played at Old Trafford in, um, uh, well, I played twice now, just soccer the other week, yeah. yeah. But when I first played there, when I first played at Old Trafford, uh, in the (laughs) the two times that I did. (laughs) You play Old Trafford twice, don't you? Once on the way out, once on the way down. (laughs) Yeah, good to be back. Um, So I, I, it was for comic relief, sport relief, so sport relief years ago. And I remember we were on, um, it was the rest of the world, or the rest of the league side, sort of ex-pros and, and comics versus Man United ex pros and uh, and comics and we and we play a game or or actors or whatever or famous people or whatever, and it was about a week after that Wayne Bridge uh, John Terry handshake. You remember that famous oh, sort of yeah. after he'd slept yeah. with his wife or whatever, uh, and he sort of did that weird thing where he sort of scooped his hand underneath and didn't shake yeah. uh, John Terry's hand. So I'm in the I'm in the lineup. And uh, I've got like I can't remember what other celebrities were, uh, you know, uh, Ollie Mers and the fella from Merlin, uh, and they're sort of <laughs> Alex Ferguson's walking along the line. So I say to these guys, "Oh, when it, when Sir Alex comes, I'm going to do that handshake 
that uh, Wayne Bridge did because it was so it was topical as well. You know, as a comic yeah. thing. Oh, everyone will get it, and it'll be a <laughs> laugh. And I mean, this is before <laughs> things went viral. Like this is not even for vi- this is not even for the internet. This is just for the moment. This will be hilarious. And uh, I'm like, right, and they're going, yeah, do it, do it. They're all like egging me on. And then he comes along the line, he's shaking, all right, son, yeah, oh, have a good game. Yeah, it's a good thing you're doing for charity. And he's coming along, meeting everybody. And he meets uh, Merlin or whatever it is on my left ear. And uh, and then he comes to me, and I'm about to do it, and I just absolutely shit myself. I go, <laughs> Sir Alex! <laughs> <laughs> just couldn't do it. He's genuinely terrifying in the moment. <laughs> well, let's talk about managers. It's early nineties. You mentioned Mel Machin, but yeah. the me- the merry go round fires oh. up pretty quick. Howard Kendall comes in, then you get Peter Reed. I mean, what was that like? It was. I mean, over the years, we. I think there was a point where we had like eighteen managers or something in the in the time Alex Ferguson had been at United. Like it was something <laughs> crazy, and we had some mad. You know, Kevin Keegan, and uh, you know, over the, we just had some crazy crazy managers but yeah. early on it, it did seem to be and I think like Howard Kendall like went back to Everton I think and we yeah. were all like absolutely People heartbroken fuming to, put the fume in the fans weren't they yeah absolutely heartbroken that he'd he'd left us to go to the club that he supports <laughs> like, <laughs> how dare you um but yeah the, I remember Mel Machen was my I think he would have been my first manager that I remember you know yeah. uh growing up and and of course you know it's hard when you're um you know, so my dad has got these wonderful memories of Joe Mercer uh, in the sort of 60s, uh, Malcolm Allison, and, you know, and they won stuff. You know, they, yeah. they actually won things. And then from, I mean, pretty much from, I don't know, like Tony Buck right through to Joe Royal. I think Joe Royal was the first one that actually got us into a, a playoff. And that was the first time, you know, that we, that we, and it was nearly saw Wembley or saw anything, you know, so... It's, it, it's a mad kind of period of kind yeah. of underachievement. Peter Reid did a good job, though. When you go back through it, like, I was looking at Peter Reid, finished yeah. fifth. Yeah, two, twice is, in a row yeah. finished fifth. And he had a decent... You know, we had Uwe Rossler and we had some brilliant players, Nicky Summerby play, Peter Beagree. That was the sort of time where it was exciting to be a, a City fan because they were just... They were brilliant. You know, they were really good players. Um... I remember when Alan Ball, and then we got Alan Ball at one point, which was just like just this high pitched, uh, angry man shouting every week. But yeah, I guess I sort of don't remember that season really. I remember it being a good season, but I, I didn't realise we'd finish fifth. So that's that's something yeah. I guess. It's just mad, really, because Peter Reid he did quite a good job at Sunderland, and stuff. he's quite a good in the hindsight. Yeah. He's quite a good manager, Peter Reid, yeah, even I mean- though somehow he's not. Considered that maybe by public opinion. Ninety one, he you finish above United. Under wow, Peter Reid, like, it's crazy, isn't it? How well he did, really, it's kind of forgotten. The other thing yeah. I wanted to mention is when you watch those old clips back, how good are your kits? I oh, think... we've we've never had a bad kit, to be honest. Incredible. I mean, I've, got, I've got a couple of them in a drawer marked. These will fit you again one day, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, in my hopeful drawer, and uh, they're great. Some of them are absolutely. In fact, it's only in the last few years where we've totally gone off the ball. Some of the third kits we've got, like there was one last year with that was yellow and pink, looked like a milkshake gone wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know what they've done in the last few years. What was brother? You seem to be constantly advertising, it's sponsored by brother for years, brother. Yeah, so they, so were, I don't even know what that was. They they make printers and stuff. I think, I think this one is, 
In fact, this one that I've got right next to me is brother. So obviously, <laughs> somewhere it's really worked. It yeah. worked. I remember, when, I remember when, she, I mean, my dad did hate United. He's very different to me. And I remember there being a year when my mum brought a, um, like a music system home and it was sharp and he wouldn't have it in the house. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have it in the house. Did you go to Main Road much in those days? Or like, yeah. Did you- I mean, not loads. My dad used to go, and as kids, you used to, you know, when you were younger, you could get in for free. And then, like I said, we used to get in, watch the last 15 minutes when we got sort of teenagers. Um, and it was very much, a, you know, it was very much a man's place. It, was, it wasn't for kids and it wasn't for women. And so it would be where men would go to, essentially, I think, I always saw it, you know, later on I realised it was seeing this mild-mannered man. My dad is so soft and gentle. Um, suddenly shouting and screaming at a referee or a, a left back or whatever, and it just seemed to be the the week of being talked down to at work yeah. by management, you know, or, or you know, my dad was a union rep and a, a shop steward and stuff, so dealing with management and people that, that up further up the hierarchy, it just seemed to be a release, you know, yeah. in a way. And as kids, I used to think, well, I'm glad the left back's getting it and we're not, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I'd rather he was taking it out on them. Um, so I remember there being moments of us just, I mean, crikey, and this is obviously before, you know, some of the horrendous accidents that have happened, but there was definitely times where you were in that stand, even as kids just thinking, Jesus, this isn't, I'm yeah. nine years old and this doesn't feel safe, you know. Yeah. And you'd yeah. be having fucking bovril tips on your head and uh, <laughs> pints of lager and stuff. I remember there being one year where my dad was, he'd, he'd shouted, I don't know what the swearing situation is on this podcast. But, no, go, go for um, it. So my dad, we'd, we'd never, he swore a bit at home, but not loads. And then suddenly he shouted at the referee, went, yeah, fucking idiot. And me and my brothers are sat there like, I'm like, I'm like eight, my brother's six. We're sat there like, oh my God, can't wait. And he went, look, if mum asks, don't tell her that, you know, dad. <laughs> <laughs> swears at them not that she's ever gonna go did he swear at the match like that's never gonna be a conversation and um and then he said he went do you know what for the next 90 minutes go for it so if you want to swear this is the place to do it get out of your system and uh and and, and shower and swears and swear so i was like oh my god I'm eight years old being told you're allowed to swear i'm like referee you, you bloody idiot like, just like <laughs> you know and uh, my brother had not done it. And then at half time, um, my dad was like, do you want a snack? And my brother, six years old, went, I'll have a fucking pie. I was like, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's what he meant. <laughs> Let, talk about Main Road as well. Like, it looks, the pictures look dangerous. Like, this one stand's like scaffolding. You're like, how's that not blowing over in the wind? Yeah, it was like four different stands. Yeah, it was a real mismatch. In, uh, four different eras, basically. So, yeah, like, and one of them was like the Victorian era, Edwardian. <laughs> like, it was, uh, yeah, I don't really know. What it's like those museums you go to where you like walk through the through history. You go through <laughs> yeah, a different yeah. like area. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. So or the we, Crystal Maze. Yeah, we had. Um, yeah, let's go to the the Kipax stand. Yeah, and the Kipax was quite a formidable, you know, stand a bit like the mm. Stretford End or uh, you know over at Liverpool, uh, the Cop and that. So it was um, you know lots of singing and and uh, so that was always enjoyable, you know. But again, as a you know, someone who later on went to do musicals. You know, I was had an ear for music, and I'd always be thinking this could be this could be better. You know, if we, <laughs> you know, if we met in the pub in the, at the beginning and just sort of said, right, your altos, your tenors. <laughs> you know, we just sat people with people who sang like them. 
Uh, <laughs> this could really make a difference, guys. <laughs> Back to the start of the 93-94 season. So Peter Reed, who's done so well, two fifth-place finishes and a ninth-place. He gets, what, four games in? Three defeats to the draw. And Peter Swales, your controversial early oh, 90s German. Swales out. Gets rid of him. And this really starts, yeah. starts the pass against him. Quite, I remember Swales being like, shorthand for bad chairman. Yeah, and he was like, even now, I've not seen a picture of him for years, but yeah, I can see this sort of like greasy comb over. <laughs> yeah. um, he was like the epitome of a sort of 70s businessman. He was very central casting, wouldn't he? If, if, you, like, if <laughs> yeah. you put him in a show as a football chairman in the 90s, people go, it's a bit on the nose, that. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah, yeah, it's a bit obvious, yeah. yeah. But I remember going, you know, going down to the, um, to the ground and, you know, we had placards and it was like swales out. Um, and there was like pictures of him in like dressed as like a Dracula figure. Um, like it was a real big, you know, Swales Out was like a big campaign. I think it was one of the first times, I guess, that football, you know, football fans went, you know, we can, we've got a voice here. And did yeah. it work? Did he go? He did. He did go. I can't remember what year he went. I uh, think it was the following February with this season right. starts in '93. He but was, he was go- a real mank, like you know, he went to school in Manchester, like he worked in, Man- like he was a real prominent sort of Mancunian. Um, but uh, he then, and then we had Francis Lee came in, who oh, was yeah. a former player, yes. who's like one of my dad's favourite players, Franny Lee, who'd made loads of money from toilet roll. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he'd be <laughs> laughing now. <laughs> yeah. Crikey. Uh, <laughs> cha-ching. But, um, but yeah, he, uh, he then took over as the, as, as the chairman. And I don't necessarily remember him being much better. The ship didn't really steady until we got David Bernstein and it sort of went a bit, you know, and obviously now with this, with the with the shake, peace be upon him. Uh, that uh, that were off, yeah, yeah. Peter Swales sacked uh, eleven managers in his twenty years, and this is the, in a time like he takes over in seventy three. This is a time where managers and manager for years, like yeah. six years, probably the average, and he's turning them around. There's also accusations he was picking the team. He's a really early Crikey. adopter of that. that. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't love, know that. I love that eleven managers in twenty years is considered like. A big sacking, whereas now that would probably be like <laughs> the average, quite yeah, average, or quite. A, <laughs> yeah. He's got quite a lot of um, got, got a lot of patience, Peter Swales. He's only sent eleven <laughs> managers in twenty years. Yeah. He really lets them have a good year in the job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had some weird one. I remember like Brian Horton. Well, yeah, being a he, manager. Ca- he came in. He came in after Peter Reid, having just steered Oxford United to fourteenth in the second division. Oh, well, so why not? not He's what the kind man of pedigree for us. is that? <laughs> was he connected to Man City? Why? Why? Why have you ended up? I don't up think with... so. I don't think there was any connection really. He never. He never played for us or uh, anything like that. I don't think. But yeah, he was. He managed us for a bit. But again, it was sort of not like a. I don't remember being excited during that era. No, no. It, it's really it's the start of the decline, isn't it? I think Horton, you finished sixteenth, and then by the end of '95, you're down to seventeenth. And now this is where the, the relegation battles have really begun. Yeah. Now. Yeah, it was. I remember there being, uh, I think Alan Ball was the, was that the first time we went down, I think? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember he was sort of, his time is sort of saved because he signed uh, Giorgio Kinkladzi. Oh, yes. And, How much did you love him then? I mean, to a ridiculous level, you know. <laughs> and I remember him, like, he was, like, he'd get in the team now. Like, he was that good. Like, he would be, like, keeping De Bruyne on the bench. Like, this guy was... The story was, whether it's an urban myth or not, but the story was that his dad wanted him to be a professional footballer, his mum wanted him to be a ballerina, so he went to ballet as well as football. And that's why... 
He was so majestic on the ball. <laughs> and Kladze will try and beat his man, and suddenly space opens up. Still Kim Kladze, inside the penalty area. This will be a fantastic goal. Oh, that's mesmeric. It's sublime, and it's typically Georgi Kim Kladze. A footballing moment to treasure. Oh, he was unbelievable. Like, that was the first time we'd ever seen, like, proper, skillful, you know, European football. You know, we'd never really had... We'd had, like I said, we'd had, you know, your people who could bang in a goal, Nile Quinns and uh, Uwe Rossler, and, and Bigri was probably the, the sort of classiest player we'd had up to that point. But, um, oh, he was just on another level, old Geo. What went wrong? We got relegated, and he was he was clearly too good for for that yeah. team. He was just too good for that team. He was just playing on another level. He was like playing, he was playing proper football. <laughs> we, were still, <laughs> we were still oofing it up front to the big man. Yeah. Um, the, the goal he scores as well, where he takes it around everyone, is one of my favourite goals to oh, watch. Oh yeah, gets Because of the, the way the sound, the, cresce- the crescendo at Main Road, is he, get, he just beats yeah. another player, another player, and then the sound as that goal goes in. Yeah, I remember there being a year where, I remember was going to the, the club shop and uh, we had shirts i don't think they were that season shirts but they were the you know season before and it was one of the years where you f- could first start getting names put on the back of your shirt it was quite a new a new thing at the time and uh i remember going along and we, me and my brothers and there was, so was three of us and you go along but i remember it being like it was like 3 pound a number and you know 2 pound 50 a letter or something like that and my dad going right who do you want on the back of your shirts and the three of us going Giorgio King Clardsy. And my dad looking at money in his pocket and going, You can have Vonk. The <laughs> 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 only kids in school with Vonk on the back of your shirt, like Michelle Vonk. Like this. Uh, this mid 90s period is where United and City, the, the golf opens up. I wonder, did people in your school swap allegiances? Did you have any mates who changed? Yeah, there was definitely a couple of lads who. Who changed? Oh, and and also, it was the first time that I noticed girls getting interested in football. Whether that was because of you know gigs or you know they had sort of, some sort of quite pretty boys as well in you know in their team. Uh, it was the first time that I'd sort of started to see girls get interested. Up to that point, you know, you know no better, do you? you just think it's for boys. You they know? weren't into Niall Quinn and Peter Bigre. Weirdly, that wasn't <laughs> what was doing it for. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, that, I, I remember that being something I sort of noticed quite early on, really. And were they all Man U fans? Every one of them. Every one of them. Yeah, I remember there being a girl called Julie who supported City, and I just thought she was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> she was my favourite. <laughs> what was the kind of because pers- there's, there's this kind of classic cliche joke about the all the Man U fans live in London, but I went to Union Manchester, and I was surprised by. Actually, I mean, this was around 2000, so it's really at the peak of Man U being good. But I was surprised by how heavily most people did support Man U, it felt like. Yeah, totally. It's like it's like one of these urban myths that, obviously, we're not going to try and dispel it because it's something to cling on to when you've got nothing else. <laughs> you know what I mean? A bit like they sort of cling on to the fact, you know, now these days they go, oh, City can't fill the ground, even though when you look at the 
stats. They're like, well, no, it is full, but you know, for well, whatever I was reason, watching last week. Decided... There was no one there, Jason. The game I was watching last week. <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> You're quite right. <laughs> it's our ideal time to play football. Um, but you know, you, as f- football fans, you you cling on to these like these little tidbits just to sort of go, oh, well, you know. That's something. I've got yeah. something. While they're winning all these things, yeah, but none of your fans live here. Yeah, that's because they've got a worldwide market and that means they're able to afford better players. <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> How many of them live in Rush Home? That's the main question. How many are you? And now we're exactly, you know, I'm literally sat, you know, when I, when I do go to the game, you know, our season tickets, uh, you know, we're sat with these people from all over the world there, you know, so, and that's obviously the, 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 the sort of sign of a successful club these days. <laughs> one, of the, one of the biggest attendances of the 90s for City comes in the last game of the 95-96 season. City at home to Liverpool. You need to pick up some points. It's quite complicated maths. But basically, you go 2-0 down at half-time. You pull it back to 2-2. And there's this classic rumours spreading throughout the stadium that actually 2 twos enough. And it's not. <laughs> Were you there? No, I wasn't that that oh. one, no. My dad would have been at that one. But these that does happen. I, I love that's my favourite moment on match of the day, I think. You know, the last day of the season where they, they put the two uh the two games the two crowds together, yeah, and they sort of play it together. It was a real golden age for the transistor radio, wasn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, the guy it was the end of the transistor radio. <laughs> it was really, yeah. yeah, no one's googling it. He's like <laughs> listening. I think they've scored. And then it spreads and they cheer and Oh no, it's not. It was offside, and then that spreads like it's. Uh, yeah, it was good times. And also, I don't know if you see the clip, but Niall Quinn comes running out saying, "We need like because I think it's two two. You're holding the ball up in the corner instead of like trying to go for goals. You think this rumor's going to happen? Niall Quinn runs out, I haven't seen it on teletext. Oh my God. I it's always at, teletext. It's always yeah, teletext. teletext. I looked it up on YouTube, and the top comment is, "This has to be the funniest relegation ever." <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I remember some weeks watching the game on teletext, though. That's funny yeah. that you mentioned that. What would happen, because I was growing up on Dartmoor, so I'd be watching a game on teletext, and we had slightly bad tuning to our TV. Yes. We're on da- <laughs> so you'd get, like, random letters would come up, but, like, like where a yes. score, and you're like... Is that meant to be a scorer, or is that is that like you'd be trying to interpret the kind of eighty percent text? They don't. The kids don't know. They don't know the pain we suffered. All we had was bamboozle. <laughs> when City went down, was that quite fun? Like playing in a division below, or um, no? Because I think that first season, did we go down again? Yeah, was that last season? Yeah. So, again. so we we thought it was going to be. Hey, here we go. <laughs> yeah. A win a week, and then we got battered again. We were like, what the hell? And so we ended up going down again to the next division. Yeah. And and then it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, okay, these yeah. guys are plumbers in the week. Yeah. And uh, I think we can beat these. Yeah. Well, then, actually, the season after you go down from the Premier League, you actually just about survive, and it's the season after. Oh, is it that right? Okay. But that second season, you, you're down. You have five managers in a single season. That's mad. Alan Ball gets sacked, Asa Hartford. Then Steve Koppel, who only lasts 33 days before quitting because he says this is too much pressure. Yeah, didn't he go back to um, Palace, I think? Yeah. yeah. And then Phil, yeah. Phil Neal comes in, does 10 games, loses seven, and then Frank Clark is the saviour. Frank Clark, yeah, he was, he was good, actually, Frank Clark. I didn't mind him. Again, like proper, you know, looks like a proper manager as well. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. from that from that time. Um, but, yeah, no, he was – I remember Frank Clark being all right. Again, I don't imagine his records that great. But um, and then Joe Rawl came in. I remember Joe Rawl being the first time that we were like, okay, we're going to win some here. Oh, yeah, really? That, With that big comes Joe Royal, doesn't it? Joe Royal is when your saviour. Ro- <laughs> Joe Royal's your saviour. <laughs> you know you're in the shit. 
um, with like, so Steve Cobble left because it's too much pressure. Like, was there this huge pressure on them? Maybe because it's Manchester, because there's Man United because, next door. Yeah, they were always dubbed this sort of sleeping giants of mm. you know English football, and uh, and but we were, I think we were in a coma. I don't think we were asleep. Like we were absolutely. <laughs> not going anywhere, you know. And obviously having the rivalry with United, so you'd always know, like when you whenever you went on holiday, you know, you said you were from Manchester, they would go, oh, Manchester United. You're like, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, por favor. Uh, so, um, yeah, so it was, we were just this like little, and it's that annoying thing, and loads of football clubs have this, where you're not your rival's rival. Yeah. Oh, that kills yeah. you. That yeah. absolutely kills you, you know, because we're United are our rival, and theirs is Liverpool, and it's yeah. changed a bit now, like you know, and uh, you know, ours is Liverpool probably now. But it growing up, that was one of the worst things. Just it's one thing having an enemy, but having an enemy who doesn't even know who you are <laughs> <laughs> is an absolute so, killer. So, did the Man U fans? It's basically patronising you, really, a bit like that. Kind it of was idea. really, yeah. I, I do. I mean, so on a much smaller scale, I do have that feeling towards Exeter City from Plymouth. Like, but like, <laughs> yeah. it's that thing of going. I actually, oh, Scott, England with Scotland is a very similar thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I quite, I want Scotland to do well, which yeah. I imagine Scottish listeners are grinding their teeth. Yeah. Hearing me no, say I'm the same. That. No, I'm the same. I like all the. You know, any time that, that any of them are playing, um, I want them to do well. But yeah, they're not. They're not supporting England anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Who would be the other rivals around there then? Would you have any feelings towards a Stockport or? Well, a... yeah, I mean, I live in Stockport now, and I, I sort of have a, a quite a affection for them, really. But there would have been a time where, yeah, we'd have been in a in a similar way. We'd have been Stockport's rival, and we'd have been like, "Who?" You know, so it was similar. <laughs> so we sort of treated them the same, really. So yeah, I guess Stockport would have been a rival for a while. Macclesfield. Um, no, I don't think we ever got as far down as Macclesfield. <laughs> Thankfully, um, <laughs> but again, you know, when these teams play us, we are, you know, we're, we're certainly their rivals. But yeah, it, it was United was the famous one, you know, and uh, and then and then weirdly, you sort of then end up with these odd clubs who just beat you every time, like Everton, and but you know, you just yeah. sort of, with with Man U being brilliant and suddenly being great. I mean, they were all right. Let's not go for too far. <laughs> 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 um, when they were in Europe, I always were you one of the, are you one of those people that would have supported Manu in Europe or when Absolutely they won the Absolutely not. No, good. That would not have, no, I'm not one of these half half scarf knobheads. Um, absolutely not. No, no, it wouldn't have. I would never have got that far. You know, when they were was it 99 when they had their yeah, treble yeah. win? I wasn't giving it. Oh, well done, like, you know. I was absolutely <laughs> sick to the stomach. You know, um, <laughs> because I knew we'd never hear the end of it. And 2020, I'm right. We never hear the end of it. So <laughs> I knew I could see the future. Plus, <laughs> Oscar's manager just so they can keep talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, on the other side of the coin, like in the nineties, so from afar, mm. I Man City were the coolest football team because Oasis supported Manchester oh, of City, course. Yeah, yeah, and like that. Mark and Lard on Radio One were big Man City fans, yeah. and it felt like Manchester was like you know a very kind of cool place, and Man City were the embodiment of that. Yeah, did you? Yeah. Were you an Oasis fan? Like, I was, did... yeah, yeah. Um, so, and the fact that they were supported our club, you know, was uh, was exciting. You know, it was exciting to be, like you said, to be cool and to be. And I, I think part of that was 
City were the underdogs all in pretty much every game they played. So that sort of linked in with people who win things aren't cool generally. No. You know what I mean? So the fact that we were we'd go into every game sort of as the fighting underdog, you know, I think that really helped. It felt like Man City was Oasis and then Man U was Mick Hucknall. That, that <laughs> felt like the kind of split, didn't yeah, it? I mean, case rested, yeah. <laughs> Do you ever see? Who'd you, you rather ever... go out for a pint with? <laughs> well, I'd be less scared with Mick Hucknall. Than than just... <laughs> yeah, he'd be, he'd be in bed by midnight with Mick Hucknall. <laughs> yeah, he would be with some woman who'd eat yeah. but I'm... <laughs> I remember doing a thing for Sky once where it was a five-a-side competition with an ex-pro celebrity and a, and a, and a genuine, you know, real-life fan uh, of every Premier League club. And I remember, like, all these – they had all these brilliant people. I was presenting it, so I couldn't play. with all these brilliant people. And then Man City had Nick Leeson, the guy who <laughs> brought down Bearings Bank. <laughs> I was like, this is the best one you could find out of all the Man City fans. Was he any good? He was all right, to be fair, but uh, he was... Uh, yeah. Wow, Nick Leeson. Nick That's a blast Leeson. from the past. Yeah, very <laughs> odd. Very odd. Do you ever see him down on, on the... Uh... I've got to say, no, I haven't actually. I've not seen him down there. But uh, yeah, like you said, a lot of musicians uh, were uh, City fans. Badly drawn boy sits about sort of five rows in front of us. Oh, does uh, he? At, uh, yeah, we sort of, we've got... Um, we just got regular season tickets. Yeah. And uh, the one year that I said to my dad, oh, let's... You know, we're doing. I'm doing all right. Let's go corporate. And uh, yeah. my dad hated it. Absolutely hated it. <laughs> he was like, you know, I could see him like just. He couldn't swear. He couldn't. You know, he couldn't get into it. I remember him complaining because he had to come in shoes. Uh, <laughs> that being annoying to him. So yeah, that I remember we did it for one season. Then, and actually, weirdly, I got a phone call from City one year who said, um, uh, Ricky Hatton. Uh, obviously another big Man City fan, Um, he's getting rid of his box. Uh, He's he's had it on the halfway, the one on the halfway line, and he's had it for years, you know. Um, And this was, you know, we're we're starting to do well now. And they said, we're just ringing a few people to see if they fancy, you know, taking it off his hands and having it. I thought, well, you know, it fits 16 people in or whatever. You know, if I could probably split that between a few people, if it's a few grand, I wonder what... I said, how much is it? They said, it's £60,000. What? <laughs> I was like, nah, I'll stick with me 900 quid season ticket bags. <laughs> wow. What yeah. are you getting for your 60 I mean, you're getting, a full, you're getting a full food and drink, three-course meal. You're getting to meet the, the ex-players every week. And it's for businesses, isn't it? It's not for it's not for normal people. No. You know, even us. Yeah. It's, not, it's not for regular people just to go texting around your mates. I just need another 10 people to come to the match this week. <laughs> yeah. like, We've got Niall Quinn coming yeah. in. He's going to say hello. <laughs> yes, Have you done that? I've heard they've got this thing called the Tunnel Club now. Have you done that? Where it's like this two-way mirror in the tunnel. Have you seen yeah. done that? Is it, it is. weird? It is a bit weird, yeah, because you sort of... The players are obviously thinking, we're being watched as well. <laughs> They're like in an aviary, essentially. <laughs> and you're just sat there finishing off your uh, your dinner and the, and the players have just got, oh, stood there waiting. It's very odd. It's very odd, but it's you know it's an experience. It's something different, and and they and to be fair to City, they you know they um they do sort of come up with these innovative ideas, and a lot of them you know they go to America and see what a lot of the American clubs are doing and the NFL clubs are doing, and sort of oh oh we'll use that, we'll have that, and uh, some of it works and some of it doesn't. You know, I did one year actually. We did a um they did a big launch show uh like at the beginning of the season where the player they brought players out and stuff and I hosted it and I think it was when we had uh uh Pellegrini and I had to like interview Pellegrini on stage 
in front of, you know, 5,000 City fans. And, uh, you know, language is hard anyway. It's Chilean, you know. And so language is, A, is hard, but humour is the hardest bit of language. And when your only audience is, I mean, they're they're out there, but they're not going to laugh at loads of stuff because, you know, this is Pellegrini's the manager. They don't want to. And so I'm trying to have a laugh with Manuel Pellegrini and I'm literally getting nothing. Like, I'm getting (laughs) nothing back. And I'm like, as soon as Frank Lampard was on, um, and I sort of know Frank's wife a bit, you know, for Christine. And uh, so thankfully he came on and rescued me. Uh, but um, there was it was probably the most painful three minutes of my life trying to interview Manuel Pellegrini. Weirdly, I've had the same experience to do a bit of corporate stuff for West Ham. And I'd interviewed Pellegrini and I tried to, you're right, it's like blood from a stone, but I tried to make yeah. a joke about, do, do, if you like a manager, will you get a nicer bottle of wine than if you don't like the manager? And he went, no. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly <laughs> that sort of stuff, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right then. That's that then. This yeah. has got to be one of the few podcasts where people compare stories of interviewing Manuel Pellegrini. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you go down, like to the bottom, not to the bottom division, to the third tier. What is now League One, yeah, the third yes. tier. Yeah. Which oh. must have been, in a weird way, quite fun because you're playing these tiny teams and like. Yeah, you know. it was. But apart from obviously, we didn't win every game. So, yeah. you know, I, can't, I don't know who we got beat by that year, but there would have been some absolute. Upsets, yeah, yeah. and obviously, and obviously, every week you're playing, you know, the cliche, but you're their cup final, yeah, every yeah. week they're coming to, and when they're coming to your ground as well, you know, thirty five thousand, I think it was back then, uh, you know, it was a big old stadium to to, to come to when you're, yeah. um, you know, part time postman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you, you were 13 at christmas you're 13th so you start kind of terribly really yeah yeah but then after christmas you only lose twice as you like but you end up third my main memory of that team is the kind of i'd say you say there was no bad kits yeah but, the, oh yeah, yeah what was that the, one it was it was a kind of bright laser blue or whatever you'd call it yeah. and you had like that was it a, a new kappa? badge kappa and you, had, and you had a new badge and it was <sighs> it was the height of the um the yeah. big t-shirt phenomenon in football yeah so the kappa kit yeah but again in manchester kappa was quite cool like it was music stars and stuff were sort of wearing it was quite a cool uh thing but yeah it was odd just like two naked women back to back (laughs) down your arm (laughs) straight down your arm yeah yeah it was a bit odd and i remember there being that slightly weird uh sort of yellow and black stripe one oh yeah i think we wore for the final as well did you go to the um playoff final Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, how hard was getting tickets? Yeah, I don't remember any of that bit. I think my dad sorted all the, you know, so I would have been about 17, I think, uh, 18. And, uh, yeah, I remember going. I've got a sort of embarrassing picture somewhere of me doing the thing, you know, when you're pointing at the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was just, I mean, what a day. Just, you know, the trip down on a, you know, on a, on a coach with just a few of my mates and my brothers and my dad and all his mates and, that was a that was a laugh, and then the game itself was just you know we oh, love wow. a drama at Man City, you know it never <laughs> we can never do anything. And, and again, I remember Nicky Weaver being to me just like, well, this is the greatest goalkeeper I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know what I mean? like, if we st- if we've still got him next season, he's not a Barcelona. I'd be very surprised. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the drama comes from the fact that 82 minutes is nil-nil. Gillingham go one nil up, and then they yeah. score five, five or six minutes later, two nil. And actually, yeah. when Gillingham scored the second, you can see the City fans filtering out. Were you tempted to oh, leave? Never. I've never left ever. Really? Never, never left no. a game. I mean, I might have left that Leicester one the other week uh, where we lost five-two. <laughs> but um, no, I've never left a, a game early. My dad is very, very strong on that. 
like from an I, yeah, early. I'm very, I'm very strong on that. That's a yeah. bit, I don't know. It's one of my most. I think it's one of my most stringent views I hold in yeah, the whole of the world. Mean? I just think, well, you wouldn't leave. You wouldn't leave a film early, would you? You know, like no. even if you sort of thought, I can work out where this is going. You know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't get to. You know, you don't want to be the only person who doesn't know the end of the sixth sense. So I just think. Um, I just think no, you can't. Uh, you can't leave a game early. That's yeah. I mean, you've gone all that way to London, and then you've left early to do what? To sit at the same train station we're all going to be sat at. Uh, in a bit. No, I, I've never understood that uh, that idea at all. But it was, yeah, I remember it just being, oh, it was just a great day. It was a great day. And this could still be won by either side. Nice ball inside by Asaba. Paul Smith turns. Good ball. Carla Saba. Real chance. He's gone. Carla Saba has scored for Gillingham. The finest moment in Gillingham's 106 year history. It could be the goal that takes them to the first division. And the 34,000 Gillingham fans are on their feet. More space now for Carlos Saba. Great touch. Robert Taylor here has room. Tries from range. He scored! Robert Taylor has scored! And Gillingham are heading into Division 1. They lead here by two goals to nil. And we only have some three minutes left on the clock. Links up again, chance here for Sean Gota. Tackle comes in, Kevin Horlock has driven that into the back of the net. And I wonder if there will be a late twist here. The game is not over yet, I said that. Lump forward though by Weekens. Comes now for Gota. Can't get his shot in. Dickoff, he scored! Paul Dickoff has scored for Manchester City. And Gillingham can't believe it. Was it? Did it feel like it was the FA Cup final? Like, did it matter to you that it was Gillingham in the playoff final? Not at all. Did... No, it was just a. It was just a final at. at uh, it could have been the Champions League final. Like, it just was. <laughs> it was yeah. a final in in something like you know. And uh, I think we got a trophy for it as well. There's an yeah, actual, I mean, there, there is a trophy for it. for it. Yeah, you get an out for second. You get a trophy for third. Yeah. Um, City did a reunion of that team. Um, I saw it was a twenty-year anniversary last year, and they all look old except for Nicky Weaver, who looks tremendous. I can believe it. Looks it. like he hasn't aged a day. Fabulous goalkeeper, just a <laughs> hell of a goalkeeper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you you know you can we got like Paul Dickoff. Know. Uh, you know, if you've got a striker called Paul Dickoff and he's got through school and he's still confident <laughs> enough to play for the football team and his surname's Dickoff, like, he's going to be good. You know, we had some great players. Uh, Sean Gota, you know, feed the goat and he was strong. Sean Gota was great, wasn't he? I mean, he's the only player who I think like 20% of his goals just came off like his shoulder or his nipple or his bollocks. or Like, he never, he didn't score with his feet every single time. But he was just always in the right place. He just bounced yeah. off his face. He's like Mr. Bean, but up front. <laughs> Did you have, like, do you have as much affection for him or more than you would for, say, uh, David Silva or a Yaya Torre? I think you always sort of remember that first, those first players that got you excited. And, and mm. again, you know, whether it's a nostalgia element of that moment in your life, you know, where you're a kid, you've not really got massive worries that you've got now and stuff like that. You know, now I'm thinking, oh, I love David Silva, but, you know, I've also got a mortgage. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's those things sort of counteract these things where back then you just, you know, these players were up on your wall. I mean, yeah. if I tried to, you know, if I said to my wife, I'm, I'm just putting this up here. It's just a, it's just a poster of uh, Guero. Um, <laughs> it's going in the corner of the bedroom. 
<laughs> next to the chaise long. I don't think she'd appreciate that. So, yeah, I think it's just, I think it's partly a nostalgia of that moment in your life. But also, like I said before about sort of winning those games, like that that team and that the money that's been spent and stuff now, you have to succeed in that in that environment yeah. because you've got the best training facility, the best manager, you've got all these things going on. Back then, you were like, how have you managed to play so well surrounded by this shit? <laughs> <laughs> like, how have you done this? That's amazing. <laughs> Do you miss Main Road? Um, I miss... The sort of the the memories of those, you know, the walks down and the laughs we had, um, you know, minding people's cars outside, uh, you know, for 50p. <laughs> and, uh, and then just going to watch the last 15 minutes of the game anyway and then quickly getting back to the car before they, uh, they come back. Um, I miss just like random, you know, people would just like, bring you stuff like programs and if you were hanging out outside as kids, yeah. they'd bring you the program or uh, the football pink. Do you remember the football pink? It was like was a, that? Newspa- was that a newspaper. It was like a newspaper. I don't know if you had them everywhere. They had them in Manchester anyway. Maybe it was part of the Manchester Evening News, but it was like a rushed off the off the print newspaper with a review of the game you've just seen. How they got oh, it out wow. so fast, and it was just there. Football, get your football pink, and it was just there. Like there was so there's all that you know, and it was all it was all walking everywhere. Now it feels like I'm spending forty minutes trying to park. Well, the, the city, the main road was so like you'd walk down to it because I went to a few games there when I was at yeah. uni. It's in the middle of just those classic Manchester yeah. terraces, Coronation Street, and it just appears, yeah. and it's yeah. just there. And it was such a kind of, it felt kind of so evocative of like Manchester. I think. Yeah, and it's it's weird when you drive. I drove past there recently, actually. And, you know, there's nothing there now. It's just houses and not. You know, it's it's quite heartbreaking, really. I mean, not not in a real sense, but just to see that yeah. it's that all those memories are not there and all those, you know, like I said, my granddad and great granddad and this was where my granddad punched that copper, you know, like <laughs> so, so many lovely memories. <laughs> Have you been back to Main Road? Have you walked around there? Yeah, seen? I mean, I've driven past it and stuff, you know, sometimes take the kids on a little memory uh, of uh, daddy growing up, which they hate and, uh, <laughs> and, occasionally, and occasionally lock the back door because it looks a bit rough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, do you um, do your kids support City? They do, yeah, yeah. They all support City, and uh, they. It's quite uh, an easy sell now. Though, it's isn't an it? easy sell. Even my little brother. My little brother is twenty, and yeah. you know he doesn't really remember a time when they weren't decent. You know yeah. they weren't half decent. So yeah. So for my, um, you know, I've seen my little brother get annoyed because we only won one nil. You know what I mean? Like so, <laughs> that's this is a different generation now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kids but yeah, today. certainly, my kids. You know, we live in Stockport, which is notoriously a sort of a, a high density Man City supporter area. Um, so yeah, it's a much easier for the kids, and also my daughters. You know, are now growing up in a world where women's football is is massive. You know, and it's and it's everywhere, yeah. and they get to see women footballers on telly and presenting shows, and and it's really inspired them. So it's it's a total easy like tapping to get them to support yeah. City now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what role do you think, uh, like that 99 playoff final, do you, mm. do you think that was a sliding doors moment for City now? Do you think if it had gone wrong that yeah, day? Yeah, 100%. I think the shake would have bought Gillingham. Tony Pulis, 20-year contract. Yeah, Aguero there on the <laughs> south coast. Um, yeah, I don't, I think so. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think, um, you know, I think was it the year after we got, uh, or the year after that where we got Keegan and Keegan was great. You know, I really, I loved having Keegan as a manager. Yeah. I really did. I mean, 
I think he did pretty well, uh, if memory serves. He won the first division, which was the main thing. And then, you know, obviously tailed off like everything else. But I loved him. <laughs> I, lo- I loved Keegan as a manager. Yeah, it, it brings an excitement. Yeah, and I think we sort of did all right after that. We Then we had like some weird dodgy bloke from Thailand take over the team. We had like uh, yeah. Shinawatra, yeah. who was like, who was one of these rich people who wasn't really rich, just pretended to be. And, <laughs> um, you know, and thankfully got us the, we got to the Sheikh Mansour and, and, and here we are. So, yeah, it was, uh, there's definitely some, been some funny times. Do you look back on the 90s as a good or a bad decade for Man City? I mean, it was just, it was the, it was the decade that I must say now, I think, thank God, I supported them because nobody can ever accuse me of <laughs> being a glory fan, a glory supporter. Oh, you only support them because they're, you know, they've they've won all this thing and got all this money. I think, you know what, mate? I've just go and Google it. You'll see what I've lived through. So <laughs> I deserve this, you know. Well, they can listen back to this now. Yeah, when the, when the away fans, you know, when they cheer, you know, where were you when you were shit? I think I was here. I was literally here. <laughs> <laughs> so our final question we ask of every guest if you could go back to the 1st of January 1990 and live it all over again would you? Oh yeah without a shadow of a doubt I absolutely would I'd probably I'd be more forgiving of Micah Richards um, <laughs> I'd be nicer to him um, I'd just probably enjoy it a little bit more I think and try and remember a bit more like I wish I was my dad is one of those fans who can remember you know, he rem- like when you were describing one of the games there against Liverpool. There, I'm like, I'm struggling to remember those moments. I remember the key moments, but my dad can remember these intricate moments of uh, of certain matches and where he was and how he felt and and who did what. And and I, I sort of, if I could go back, I'd sort of just pay more attention. I think just so I could <laughs> remember those moments as well and be a boring old football fan like my dad. <laughs> Jason, man, thank you very much. Pleasure, guys. That was Jason Manford. That was Manchester City. Thank you to him. Uh, did either of you ever go to Main Road? No, never. Yeah, did. I went a few times. I really, I really liked it's it. It's brilliant, around. wasn't it? I loved how you properly walk down these roads that look like Coronation Street to get there. I love those grounds. You get it. Have you been to Anfield? Where it's just the streets are so close to it, so it feels like it's part of that community. Yeah. yeah. Do you get that West Ham, Chris? Uh, not quite. Um, but Plymouth don't have that either because it's in the middle of a park. But um, I uh, I absolutely loved it. I saw um, the derby where Man City beat Man U 3-1 and Gary Neville was at fault for the goal. And at the time, I didn't like Gary Neville. But now, obviously, I realise that he's one of the greatest human beings in the world. <laughs> uh, thank you to Jason. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. It's um, It's an absolute pleasure to be back. We've got great episodes this series. I already think it's our best series. Um... So, I mean, what I mean is we've got more to come in the bank. I'm not just going, I think that's it. So cheers. We'll see you in the new year. We are done here. Before we go, um, we'd love you to uh, come and listen and watch our Zoom show and ask us whatever you want and take part. It was genuinely so fun to do something live for Quickly Kevin. And what's more, in the current climate, uh, it's really the best way you're going to enjoy live football content. Uh, so, um go onto our Twitter or our Instagram. The links are there for the tickets. But if you are an XJ8 member on Patreon, you will all be sent a link to this and every Zoom show so you can enjoy them for free. We will see you then on Sunday, 25th of October at 8pm. But before that, 
Uh, we should just plug that next week we are joined by the wonderful Ivo Graham to finally look back at that Swindon documentary from the 90s. More discussion of if Glenn Hoddle was a bit better than all his players at <laughs> Yes, it's Swindon Town at 1992-93. It's called That's Football and it is spectacular. Also features bonus John Moncur, so a fantastic watch. And that's with Ivo Graham next week. Robbie Slater... See you later. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.